money today, Stephen Philby finds out how you can go about sourcing the best talent here in Hong Kong. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Today I'm joined by Vicky Dariani, who's a lecturer at Hong Kong Baptist University. Been in HR, human resources, for over 20 years. Today we're going to look at talent in Hong Kong and the challenges around that. Let me start with that, Vicky. How challenging is it to find talent in Hong Kong right now? Stephen, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. With regards to talent at the moment, I do believe most multinationals are struggling, despite the fact that the government's tried really hard to open up the talent visa pool and look at different ways to actually help spur the talents coming into the country. I believe that most multinationals are struggling to find that right skill set. At the same time, there are other more services-oriented companies that are potentially looking for a lot more volume-driven hires. And they unfortunately are also struggling just because they don't have that number of people locally that are applying for these roles. Any particular areas that are challenging to recruit? You mentioned the service sector. Yeah, so, you know, if you look at, for example, the airport industry on the ground, just for the different airlines, the different hospitality companies that are associated over there, for the airport itself, they definitely are struggling just to keep up with the manpower. And as a result, unfortunately, Hong Kong has had to struggle with being able to open up that quickly. So in fact, I know that they're looking at so many different ways of potentially tapping into the talent pool that potentially can come in from the mainland. At the same time, they are competing with these talents, with the likes of Macau, for example, through them being able to also travel to Macau, for example, for the gaming industry in terms of them being able to get opportunities. So why do you think that is? Well, firstly, I think in terms of just the skill set, many of the local graduates are not necessarily applying for those potential roles. At the same time, a lot of the people that they are trying to tap into, for example, in China, many of them are also got different opportunities. They've got multiple different roles that they can apply to. For example, they may have an opportunity in Macau that maybe pays better. They also will look at the travel conditions. Many of them are actually able to now travel to Hong Kong and travel back into China just to make sure that they can, you know, stay with the family, keep costs down as well instead of having to pay accommodation over here. But at the same time, they've got different choices. So as a result, the airport industry or the different services industry, especially mm. in tourism, need to be as as attractive and try and work around the different propositions as what are they adding value to these potential employees to actually join them. Is there anything else you think the service industry could do to make itself more attractive to talent? Well, I think holistically the services industry can recognize that they need to maybe up the bar a little bit in terms of the skill sets that are provided to people who are already in the services industry, maybe upskill them, send them to vocational training schools and in terms of being able to add on to the skills that they already have and individual companies are able to show a good career pathway to these potential younger folks that are actually looking for their next job and they see actually a clear pathway versus necessarily just applying for whatever pays them the best, they may actually be able to be enticed by a company that potentially they do see some potential future in. I know the gig economy is a big competitor to the more traditional restaurants and the yeah. rest of the service industry because the advantage you have of working for Deliveroo is you do exactly the hours you want rather yeah. than being told by the organization what your shifts are. So actually that's a really good point because actually we've seen people leave the services industry model primarily because they've actually been in it 
they realize that they are actually constrained by the work hours. Mm. They don't necessarily have that freedom to choose when they want to work. In fact, many a time they'll have to spend the off-peak hours, evenings, weekends, public holidays to actually work in the travel industry. And as a result, like you said, you know, maybe your Uber Eats driver or your Deliveroo driver, in terms of maybe monetary value, they may not be getting as much. Nevertheless, they still find that that a trade-off is absolutely worth it mm. because they are able to work when they want to and stop when they want to. And actually, they may be able to have other opportunities to earn money in different ways outside of just what they do, for example, with Deliveroo or Uber Eats. So are you finding this is a, a trend more with Generation Z? And what are the other differences you're finding between Gen Z and other employees? You know, I think Gen Z, the millennials, unlike Stephen, yourself and I, I think we're yeah. probably belonging more to the Gen X. I think a lot of us were probably caught up in working our way up and following the hierarchy and maybe turning a blind eye to certain aspects of the company that maybe didn't necessarily tie in with our values. Kind of as frustrating. Much. Yeah. Exactly. Frustration. And what I've seen and what I've read about the younger generation, and yes, I've actually observed some of this as well, is that they won't hesitate to walk out if something doesn't sit well with them. And I don't also believe they necessarily and again, maybe I'm being a bit stereotypical here, but I don't necessarily feel they may have enough of that patience factor in them to be able to wait their turn or necessarily realize that maybe experience does count a lot for them to actually go up a certain ranking. They believe it's completely driven by performance or should be driven by performance. Mm -hmm. And I do agree to that. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. But nevertheless, I do think you learn from experience and over time based on observation yeah. and everything, which may not be directly tied to your performance. So I do think that it is difficult because we're getting more and more Gen Y, Z, millennials in the workforce and definitely the way we attract them, retain them, train them up needs to be very different to what we were doing before because they're obviously a more bigger force and growing by the day. Do you leverage AI in your role and are they leveraging it much in HR? You know what? I mean, if they're not, then they're definitely losing out. Even at the university, we have allowed our students to use ChatGPT for some of their work as well. We do realize that there is a benefit for them to get a, the holistic perspective of yes. what they're working on, not necessarily use it to actually copy word for word. Yeah. But nevertheless, mm. even I've noticed with the SME industry, which is the biggest part of the Hong Kong economy, many of my friends and people who are young professionals themselves are using generative AI and ChatGPT to necessarily do a lot of their administrative work and save their time to focus on other work where they feel they can add a lot more value. So when we look at the shortage in the talent market, are there anything else companies could do about it and or the government? Good question. I guess similar to the services in the travel industry, I believe the government has tried their best to look at different ways to incorporate people bring people in from close by. They have obviously taken into account to expand the different visa systems there. So right now, if I'm not mistaken, the talent pass and the talent visas are been sent to various individuals across the world and many of them have taken that up. Now, whether they've actually arrived into Hong mm. Kong with those talent visas is a big question yeah, because I haven't I, seen any stats around that. Yeah, yeah. because uh, from what I know personally, I think many of them are waiting to find a job first before they actually activate those visas and I think they've got the flexibility to do so. So that could be something that where the jury's still out, whether that's helping or not. But to your point, what, what else can the government do? I think the government probably, in my personal opinion, could 
could help advertise Hong Kong branding. and everything regarding its branding, not just to greater China or Asia, but to the world. You know, it still primes itself as Asia's world city. And, you know, in all honesty, I think that still um, is yet. Yeah, I mean, that definitely still applies. But whether that is indeed the case, you know, the jury's still out, right? Mm. Uh, because we've got neighboring countries that have been competing with us for similar titles. I think if the government spent more time in terms of its branding to everyone in the world, we could really open that up, not just in terms of talent, but perhaps people coming in to visit and seeing how great this country is. Because we definitely have unfortunately had to claw back some of that audience because, you know, we were unfortunately shut down from the rest of the world during COVID. And, you know, we've only recently opened up. And I think whilst the industry in terms of the airports and services are still ramping up the services to bring people in, I do think we need to be ready for that. And I think the branding that the government does, and obviously the rest of the MNCs do as well, and even maybe, you know, the likes of the smaller, small, medium enterprises, I think everyone can play their part in terms of uh, promoting Hong Kong because there's just so much to offer that they don't see. Well, Vicky Dariani from Hong Kong Baptist University, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank Thank you you. so much. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for the call.